0: I use his password. There's no need for me to pay $59 a month. And he got the unlimited for a year. So I use his password on Delta. And I share Spotify passwords, <laughs> Netflix passwords, Pandora, pass- I share all that stuff. Like, there's no need for all of us to pay for the same thing and we could share passwords.
1: Welcome to Needing Dough the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins. My friends call me Hawk. You see here on Kneading Dough, uninterrupted CEO Maverick Carter sits down with your favorite athletes to talk about how they learn to manage the life-changing amounts of money that becoming a pro athlete can provide. And that's where I come in. As a former NFL wide receiver and a graduate of Columbia Business School, I'm gonna bring you my personal perspective on these lessons from legends. Before we get started with this conversation, featuring the one and only Draymond Green, Needing Dough the podcast is presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. New episodes drop every other Tuesday, so be sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. And now, I couldn't be more excited to welcome Draymond Green to the show. If you know anything about modern basketball, then you already know all about Draymond. He's won three NBA championships as a member of the Golden State Warriors dynasty, He's also made three All-Star teams, and in 2017, he was named the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. And on today's show, you are going to hear him talk about making it big after starting from the bottom, literally, and how investing in his own well-being has helped him on and off the court. So let's get to it. Here's my man Maverick in conversation with Draymond Green.
2: Dray, what up? What's up? <laughs> Obviously. Um... You and I have had a bit of this conversation in private a lot. You at 23 were making decisions of how to manage hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. What was that like when you first got into that? Man, uh, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure.
0: Um, obviously we talk a lot, you know, but to do it in this setting is always great also. But I mean, for me, you know, coming out of, coming out of college, I was a second round pick. Um, so my first year salary, if I remember correctly, it was eight hundred fifty thousand. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot of money. Like to make eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, you're still in the top what one percent in America, and so it's a lot of money. But then when you when you actually break it break it down and you look at it, I live in the state of California, so you can slice that in half immediately. Um, so now you're talking 400 grand. Maybe you take home 400 grand. And then you look at the things that there are some things that you just have to do as an athlete. You have to pay agent fees. Like, unless you have no agent, which everybody's, I mean, coming out, I needed an agent. You may get to a certain point where you don't need it, but you have to pay an agent fee. Um, you have to live in a certain area. Like, I can't just go live in the slums yeah, if I course. want to, it's all bad. Um, it you have to make sure you have reliable transportation, you know, and, and then, and not to mention, everyone see you in the NBA. I still remember when I was a rookie, um, my niece was sitting at home with my mom and my sister, and she said, my uncle, they, they rich. <laughs> How old was she? At this time, she was maybe five. Wow. And... They asked her, "Why'd you say that? Why you say that?" She said, "Cause look at look who he on the TV. Where he on TV with all those guys. I know they all got money, but that's the perception of everyone. And so now you're getting calls about you know giving money out. You get everybody wants you to donate to this. Yet I'm bringing home four hundred thousand dollars after taxes with all these things that I still have to do. And you know, growing up, my family we never had much money, so." I really didn't know how money worked. And so my first year, I didn't hire a financial advisor. I said, I'm gonna do this on my own. I wanna learn how to pay bills. I wanna learn how money works. And if I screw it up, I screw it up because at the end of the day, I'm 22 years old. I can't live the rest of my life off this 400 grand I'm gonna take home anyway, especially after paying rent, which had a two bedroom apartment. It was $3,000 a month. It's it's crazy. So, I can't live the rest of my life off this anyway. But I can teach myself about money. And then after I hired, you know, um, after that year, I hired a good friend of mine, um, still to work with him to this day, Danny Silman, and Compass Management, to take over all the things that I was doing on my own. Mm-hmm. But I had learned how money worked. Now I learned how to pay bills. So, I can when I saw everything, although everything still come to me, I have to approve it. But I knew what I was looking at. As opposed to, if I just had them do it from the beginning, it, I think it would have handicapped me. And so I did that. And he saw my bank account. And he said, man, where'd all your money go? <laughs> I thought I was doing great. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing amazing. I, I thought I had saved up a lot of money. He didn't oh. think so. And I knew every time I got a check, every two weeks, I went and got myself a gift. You whether, gotta it was, do that. whether it was a book bag. Nice belts. Something. I got myself a gift every two weeks. Every time I got a check, and so the way I was doing it was I'm like, okay, once my bank account hit ten thousand dollars, I never wanted to get back under ten. Then once it hit twenty, I never wanted to get. So if I got that bank account before the next two weeks, if it got to twenty one thousand and two dollars, I reached my goal. <laughs> and then the next two weeks, once I got it a check, was building. I was building up. And the end of the year. I probably had saved a hundred grand. I thought I was doing amazing. He looked at me like I was an idiot. (laughs) But there was just things that, that's what I didn't understand. And I think a lot of guys go through that. You're coming out, because if you look at it, most guys who make it to the NBA or professional in any sport, I mean, especially, you know, sports that are dominated by black people, Um, football, basketball, most guys struggled coming up. You came from nothing. And you look at some of the biggest athletes before my time, of my time. I mean, the one exception is probably Kobe, Steph. But you look around, Like Michael Jordan came from nothing. LeBron James came from nothing. Kevin Durant came from nothing. I came from nothing. And so when you look at that, You never learned all these things. Of course. And so I think, but yet you'll see a documentary for 30 on 30 for 30 broke. Yeah. And you see all the things that they say they bought, but nobody's coming out and saying what to do. Exactly. No, we're we're going through school and they're teaching me A squared plus B squared equals C squared. (laughs) I haven't used that since I got out of grade school. Yeah. But Steve doesn't call that plan <laughs> ever. And then your banker doesn't talk about that. I, I, they don't do nothing to the square root, exactly. But nobody ever taught me about taxes.
2: Yeah, but and the, and it's very hard. And and the thing is, you're so right, because I always have that conversation with people too. Same thing with me, right? We, it's not like we have our father's financial advisor or our father's money manager to rely on. But as it relates. To figuring out who those people are, I was lucky enough, you know, some of the people in my life to meet people who can help me. I started working with, with Paul, who you know. I started working with Chase, I got a private banker there. The pressure of finding people to trust, how did you deal with that? To find Danny and Compass, how did you, how did you, what was that like?
0: What, well, initially, that was also one of the reasons I didn't hire anyone, just because I didn't know if I felt comfortable with trusting someone with my money. Um, Danny came straight out of college. I met Danny in college to a great friend of my brother, Jordan Dumars. They went to school together at Michigan. I was always back and forth to Michigan. They were coming down to Michigan State. I met Danny, I think my sophomore year of college. We built a friendship. And Danny, immediately when he got out of college, he opened up Conference Management. Now, once I signed with Danny after Danny, it was a year before, so it was two years after. I still wanted to see him do more work. And so I didn't sign with him immediately because I'm like, OK, number one, Danny's one year older than me. Yeah. So to trust a guy with my money that's one year older than me, yeah. it's like, whoa.
2: Well, that goes back to my conversation. You were already young going through it. Now he's young and going to come in and trust it. I know how that feels too. I've been through that. Absolutely. So
0: it's, I didn't feel necessarily comfortable immediately. As I continued to watch his work, um, obviously, our friendship continued to build. He's one of my best friends. Um, I continued to watch, and then I, so then I paid more attention to his business. He had Donnie, who's been doing this for years for people with way more money than me. His dad overseeing everything, so now it made more sense. You have a woman in her mid-40s and his dad in his early 50s who's been doing this for years It made more sense to me. And so I felt that if I was going to do it with anyone, I was going to do it with someone that I knew that I had a... Existing a prior relationship with um, that I could trust, and I felt comfortable trusting Danny, Donnie, and David. You know, to help oversee everything, to help make sure everything was going well. And the, the thing that I also liked about it was they over like if I put money with an investment manager, they also watch him, and and that was, or or her or whatever, and and that was great for me also. But it took some time for that to happen. I didn't want to just do it immediately because of the reason that I said before and also to trust me.
2: And, and was there, were there people and financial advisors and money managers coming after you when you got into the NBA or on your way to the NBA? Because I know most guys sometimes meet people, meet their financial people, they call them, which I hate that phrase, through their agent or through some kind of way. Were there people coming at you trying to be that role for you? Absolutely. There were a ton of people coming at me. Um, and the one thing I didn't
0: want to do, and I mean, it may be frowned upon, maybe not. I didn't want to go with a guy who had a bunch of league guys. Number one, I don't think of myself like them. I, mean, I, I, I like to think of myself in the business, whereas most athletes, it's starting to get better. But most athletes don't think that way. They think they're just an athlete. I don't think I'm just an athlete. I think I am a business. I look at myself as Draymond Green. I am the CEO of anything Draymond Green. The Draymond Green brand, I am the CEO of that business. And so I didn't want to go with a guy who just have a bunch of NBA guys. And no disrespect to them, but I don't want to be in all the same investments they're in. I don't want to buy the same stocks and bonds they buy. Because, and I can say I was guilty of it as well, because I also watched 30 for 30, broke. Yeah, of
2: course.
0: And it's like, okay, well, if I'm gonna go with the guy who has all these guys going broke, then I'll be broke as well. So I wanted to go with someone who thought bigger picture than just how to manage this NBA player's money. I wanna go with someone who's managing the billionaire's money. Yeah. Cause maybe they're doing something a little bit different than exactly. I am. And so that was big for me as well. So I kinda, uh, stayed away, you know, from a lot of people that were coming my way just, hey, man, I can do this for you. And people who were name dropping. Oh, man, I got this client. I got that client. Tell me who, something about you. Don't tell me who, who you're managing. Tell me something about you. How much, how much money are you managing in assets? Like, what, what, what all do you have going on? What can you do for me? And that was one thing, even when I picked my agent, my second agent, B.J. Armstrong. Um, that was one of the things, one of the reasons I, I went with him. I went through three meetings with him. And he never mentioned one client. And so the third meeting towards the end, I finally asked him. Obviously, I knew he had Derrick Rose and some other guys. He had got Derrick Rose, the $200 million shoe deal. So obviously, this was when D. Rose was, like, right around MVP of the league. So, yeah, why haven't you mentioned who you, what clients you have? And he was like, well, I know you're probably talking about D. Rose, um, but what I can do for Derek, I can't do for you. What I can do for you is what I can do for you. So it really does not matter what clients I have. And that was huge for me. And it was the same thing with financial guys. What can you do with my money? I don't have the same amount of money as Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I don't have the same amount of money. So really, I don't really need you to tell me, "Hey, man, I I managed Kevin Durant." It's got <laughs> like nothing to do with me. <laughs> Has we're in a
2: completely different yeah. bracket. What can you do for me? And that was huge for me. So you uh, you obviously, I think where you and I hit it off and become Very conscious of being a businessman, being the CEO of Draymond Inc. Where does that come from? Is there is there someone or something you saw or was it over time that you went, "Wow." The way that deal or that thing I put together is genius. I'm on, that's what I want to be like. So I've I've watched a lot of stuff over time, um, and it can go back to
0: when I was a kid. You know, my mom used to braid hair, um, work in a hotel, work in a school, and so it started with a hustler's mentality. You know, of course. And what can I do to better myself? You know. So it all started there. And then, you know, um, as I grew up, I fell in love with real estate. Now, I fell in love with real estate. A great friend of my mom, Tim, used to take me to his rental properties. And I would go there, I would help him do a few things at the homes. And man, he was living a great life. (laughs) I said, wow.
2: I want to own some homes.
0: <laughs> I want to do some of that, and so I fell in love with that. And then, obviously, I always wanted to be a basketball player. And so you start to watch people over the course of time in the game of basketball, and you figure out who's doing it well and who's not. There's some big time names doing it well, really well, and, and as we know, there's some big time names that's not doing it so well. And um, so I try to watch the ones who are doing it well. And having great people in my corner to keep guiding me the right way and show me exactly where I'm trying to get, having great mentors like yourself, like a Peter Goober, like a Steve Ross, like a Danny Silman, like a Shamath. To continue to show me the right way to go and how I want to do what I'm trying to do with myself is key, you know. I can aspire to be all I want. But if you you don't know how to get there, you just don't know how to get there. Of course. You can be trying to take all the right steps and every one of them is wrong. And um, so I've had great people to lean on to continue to show me how do I get to where I'm trying to go. And I'm still not there yet, but I'm moving in the right direction. Um, each and every day I continue to try to get better. And as we know, like you said, our lives are flipped. I don't want. I don't. I don't want to say my life is flipped. I want to say this is the least amount of money I'll ever make. It's the and, beginning of. It. And so, that's my goal. Um, and you know, decisions come with that. You know, you have to make the right decisions in order for that to happen. And I just try to, you know, be on point with those decisions. Try to surround myself with a great team to help me with those decisions, and try to stay on the right track because, like, I'm fortunate enough to make. When i make 15 million dollars this year in 10 years i want to make be making 50 million dollars yeah, a year okay. i get it so so that's my goal
1: draymond talked about how he developed a passion for real estate and how him fulfilling his first passion of being a pro ball player helped create the opportunity to monetize his other passion you know here at uninterrupted our tagline is more than an athlete And Draymond, monetizing two things he has a passion for, is a living example of that. I always tell people, whether they play sports or not, the goal in life is to view your expertise and passions as a business. And hopefully, you'll be able to create multiple revenue streams doing things you care about. And Draymond learned that the only way to do that is to see yourself as more than your current set of circumstances. Another thing that Draymond picked up over the years, if you see someone doing something that works, There's nothing wrong with copying them. So,
2: you know, as you and I being young African-Americans, there's this this term of biting that's been around forever, which is like, you know, copying somebody's style or jacking what somebody's do or jacking their swag. But I believe, and I always say when I speak to young people, that if you see somebody doing something successful, of course you should bite it. I mean, like, of course, like, don't even... Try and get that out of your head. Now, as an athlete, you have to have a lot of ego, a lot of toughness, because you got to go on the floor every night and compete with Anthony Davis and Big Cuz and LeBron and Russell Westbrook. That takes a lot of fire and ego to do that. But then when you step off the court, is it hard to put that ego down and, and come off as unknowledgeable or ask questions about things you don't know about?
0: Well, not for me. You know, it's- a couple reasons why. Uh, one reason is I don't ever wanna go back to where I came from. And not in the sense of, obviously go back to my hometown. I mean, go back to the lifestyle that I grew up with. As much as my mom and my dad did to make sure I had a great life and to make sure every need that I had was met, times were still hard, you know? And, so I never want to experience that again. I never want my kids to experience that again. Um, and my dad used to always tell me growing up, ask questions, ask, do this and do that. So I thought my dad was amazing. You know, and obviously I just still think he is, but with the job that he worked, I thought like he worked at Fabiano Brothers. I would work there and lift, move beer on Fort Cliffs. So I thought it was so cool. And he taught me that that wasn't. Well, in order to, not be afraid to ask those questions. You have to be comfortable with yourself, 100%. comfortable in your own skin. And I'm comfortable enough with myself to say, LeBron James is, when we look at our era, and I don't know much about the way Michael Jordan lived or so-and-so, when we look at our era, the guys who've done it the right way, the best, in building a business around themselves, um, never getting hurt, all these things. At the top of that list is Bron. And I don't say that because you're sitting here. I don't say that for any other reason, but he's at the top of that list. And when you look at it and having a relationship with him with you, and you actually see how much time he put into his body how much money he puts into his body, how much time he put into stuff off the court, the team he surrounded himself with. You understand why I work, you understand why I don't get hurt, you know? So I'm not afraid to say, all
2: right, he got a chef
0: going to hire me a chef.
2: And that's important. That's important to think of. That's my point, you know what I mean? You got to try and kick his ass, but then you look at it and go, but I want to steal some of his stuff, too, some of his sauces to put my thing, too. And also, as you talk about getting a chef and the amount of money he puts into his body, that brings me to another topic, too, because, as you said, your body has drastically changed from last year, Mm -hmm. definitely from three or four years ago. I always talk about it as an athlete. It's very tough, two things, to go from you go from like you said zero to having nothing to making a million dollars or half a million dollars, 800,000 that's a hell of a jump. That's a big big jump. But there's actually you've now took another jump. So you went from making 800 grand to now you make 16 million a year. And and life has changed for you in that jump. What's the changes that you've made through that jump because you now make more money? Um I've hired a
0: personal assistant uh, which has helped me so much. Uh, it's only been a couple of weeks now, but I didn't realize how much stuff I really had going on in my days. <laughs> and now that you know he handles, you know, scheduling things and uh, making sure I'm on top of my emails and getting back on this call and on this investment call, I didn't realize how much stuff I had going on. So it's freed my mind up. It's freed a lot of time up with, especially my son being born, just being able to spend time with him and not think about much. You know, it's helped with that stuff. Hiring a chef. Um, that's probably been the best investment I've made in my life. I feel so much better on the floor um, on a daily basis. I don't get as sore as I used to be. Um, even if I have a cheat day with food, I've ate so good the rest of the week that if i have a cheat day man i would get on the court the next day and feel so heavy feel like i couldn't move i don't even feel heavy the next day i mean it's that's been you know huge huge for me um i can't express how huge that's been i hired a nutritionist to work alongside the chef to let him know what meals are good for me she she texts me on the road hey these this this is what you should be eating it should be the size of your hand, that's the portion that you should have. Um, and help me with all these things. Hey, these snacks, before shoot around, you're not getting breakfast. So have these these little bars with you or these snacks where it's like organic chicken, like beef jerky, but yeah. it's, um, it's by Epic, I think it is. The, um, that's been incredible for me. So just really adding those pieces into my life. And those all changed. came
2: with your jumping money. Absolutely. And did you get those from watching other people do it or hearing what other people were doing? Absolutely. Um, definitely watching what other
0: people were doing. Um, I'll tell you one thing that helped me a lot this summer was USA. Um, I learned quite a bit of stuff from Melo uh, and how he was operating his stuff, how he moved around. I learned from Kyrie, a guy who's younger than me, but who's he learning from? Yeah. It all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. So I saw some stuff that he was doing. It's like, okay, I need to add this into, you know, what I'm doing. And because it's a reason that these guys continue to get better. It's a reason that they can play at this level. How do I yeah, how do I stay there? Not only get there, but how do I stay there? Or how do I get an advantage? And so you look at these things and I'm not afraid to
2: steal them or say who I stole them of from. Of course. And you shouldn't be. That's that's how life is especially your profession as a basketball player, 100% you should be doing that.
1: Draymond might have gone and got himself a personal chef, even if he thought he'd never have one. But one thing that Draymond always knew he wanted to do, help rookies acclimate to the NBA. That's coming up after the break. All right, let's get back to the conversation with Draymond Green.
2: As you tell that story about messing up your money your first year, your first contract, is there anything you wish you could do different with that? Or are you happy you learned that lesson? I'm happy I
0: learned that lesson. Um, and I say this in a non-cocky way, but say if I saved an extra $100,000 that year, so, or an extra $150,000 that year, um, it still wouldn't change my life today. Yeah, It would not affect me at all. And so to say I hired someone and I did save it the right way that year. I wouldn't know what I know now. So I'm happy I made that mistake. I'm happy I did it the way I did it because I learned so much from that mistake. It's just like a basketball game. You never go back, you can win 10 games in a row during the season. And the way I look at it, I'm gonna look and say, ah, we are not getting better though. You never really go back and correct your mistakes, or or actually take a look and realize what you need to get better at, until you make a mistake. So until you lose that that 11 game after that 10 game winning streak, now you go back and watch film from all that 10 game winning streak, other mistakes that you were making, and try to fix them because you lost the game. So now you're looking at everything. Of course, it's the same thing. Um, if I saved that extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Some of the things I know now about money, I would not know, and that's more valuable to me in my life now than that extra hundred fifty thousand dollars would have been to my savings account. Yeah. Um. Cause I can make that up. Like I can do some appearances. I can do some whatever yeah. and make that up. Uh, an extra endorsement deal. But that knowledge, I do. couldn't. I couldn't make that up.
2: And as as you talk, we, you and I both come from very similar situations, but we. We come from nothing. We didn't know much about the life. Most of the life that you live now and that I live is new to us. And we learning it, you know, I call it paid Manning style. We're, we're, we're learning it at the line. There's no <laughs> time to huddle because it's moving too fast. You know, are we getting the Omaha, Omaha calls, the new wine you should be drinking. Here's the new mm-hmm. clothes you should be wearing, the new cars. Is there something that, but are you conscious of as you learn these new things and come into, and you're like, damn, I like this. Damn, I like to drink sesakaya. Damn, I like to do this. But are you also conscious of like, as these new things come into my life, they cost money? Yeah. And how do I figure out how to make sure these things stay in my life past playing basketball?
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: that's huge. And
0: you know, I think my financial team is is very key in that. Um yes, I like this, I like this one. Um but I can't go buy the same amount of wine as my go by, or <laughs> I can't go buy the same, so good friend of mine, Mark Wahlberg.
2: He has a sick wine collection. Like, I mean, sick wine Mark, collection. He sure he toured me around? It's insane. It's
0: insane, Shamath. Sick wine collection. It's like, okay, I like some of those wines. I'll go get me a case of six, while they got a case of 50. <laughs> But that six will work for me. Exactly. And then they can keep their 50, and one day, maybe I'll be able to get 50. It's just all about, for me, it's all, get the things you like, within reason, if it makes sense for you, if it makes sense with your budget, if it works out in your budget, get the things you like. But don't try to match that wine collection. You can get some of the wine that they have, but you can't get as much as they have, or yes, we all love to fly private. It's it's great. It's <laughs> like one of the best luxuries in the world. All right. But everywhere I go, I'm not going to fly private. Take a couple of private trips a year, two, three trips a year, working in the budget. And it works out. It's like, obviously you spent the money, but in relative to your budget, it's like you didn't spend the money because your budget, you're still on track to never go broke until you're 90 years old.
2: Exactly. And And you you know that that. budget, and you've thought about that. Absolutely. And isn't it amazing that as you make more money, it's like, you just mentioned Chamath's wine collection and Mark Wahlberg's wine collection, and I have a wine collection, and you you have an amazing wine collection. You're a massive one. That as people make money, they start to like the same things. Is there one thing that you saw that you were like, oh, I'm never going to like that, that thing, that thing, that's... That's corny, or I'm not gonna like that. And then you got money, you're like, no, actually, I see why they all like that. Is there a thing like that for you? A couple things. <laughs> One is wine. Exactly. Like, I don't drink
0: wine. That's not for me. And continue to grow and you know, try red wine once, and like, ah, uh, it's not for me. I don't like the taste. And you try it again. Uh, all of a sudden, you're like, ah, oh, it's pretty good. I see why they like it. I, I see, why see these why... rich people drinking this stuff. This doesn't make me feel the way liquor used to make me feel. Like, hey, it's a little different now. Wine is one, and I'll tell you another one that I always said, I would never get that. That's just a waste. All these guys got it. Uh, stylish. <laughs> I won't get you a stylist. You look styling. damn good today. Thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> Although I put this one together myself, I feel good about it. It, look, it looks but, damn good. Yeah, I didn't shop for these clothes, but I put it together today. But um, I always said, why would they have a stylist? I know how to dress myself. I don't need anyone to dress me. I know how to shop for myself. I don't need anyone to shop for me. Why do they do that? It's waste. Then all of a sudden, I signed that contract. Uh, maybe I will hire a stylist, Hire a stylist and as much as I like the way he put my outfits together, as much as I like not having to go to the store and shop for clothes anymore, it's the, the time that it saves me.
2: The convenience.
0: Yes, the, the, definitely the convenience of it. Um, I don't have to waste time going to shop. I don't have to waste time uh, putting outfits together. When it's time to pack to go on the road, Portland, January 18th, drop it in the bag. Um, <laughs> calves, January 16th, take it off the hanger, put it Whoa. on. I get to sleep on my naps are about 35 <laughs> to 40 minutes longer, longer. before the game, because I already know what I'm wearing. Yeah. It's the luxury of those things. And so when I didn't have money, I would see that and like, oh, they just wasted money. Exactly. But then, so I'm really close with my Nike rep, Adrian. here. Um, he used to always tell me, I used to always talk with him. I remember I told him a few years ago, maybe two years ago, two to three years ago, I said Stells. Matter of fact, it was right after the Clipper series. I said, Stells, they done messed up. Like, what you talking about? I said, they just let me realize I had a good series against Clippers. I think I averaged like 20.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember that, Sam.
0: I I averaged like 20 and 11 or something like that. And I said, they done messed up. And he was like, what? I said, they didn't let me realize I can really be good in this league. (laughs) And he was like, do it then. So I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to be an all-star in this league. This was even before I was a starter in the league, by the way. (laughs) And he was like, get in the gym, do it. And I remember, we always have conversations about, like obviously he worked with so many guys with Nike and he sees so many guys lifestyle, different lifestyle. From from LeBron's lifestyle to- A rookie. A rookie coming in lifestyle. And you see the, he see the difference. And I, he used to always tell me, you get to a certain level where your time is not your time anymore. And what he mean by it was, you get to a level where you got a game. You got a family. You got this appearance. You got that obligation. You gotta deal with beats. So you have to do something with beats. You gotta deal with Nike. Yeah. You gotta do these appearances in Nike. You gotta deal with press, media, All that stuff. You you you're a partner in uninterrupted. You have to do these things for uninterrupted. You gotta deal with um, I mean, and the list goes on, oh, performance uh-huh. inspired. So now you gotta do this shoot on the day of the game for. Yeah. B- your time is all of a sudden not your time and you don't realize how valuable your time is. And so when you end up a thing like a stylist, it saves you that time mm-hmm. that you really don't have. And so going back to your question, those two things were like the two so, things that I said I would never do.
2: And talking about stylists, seeing lifestyles, working at Nike from LeBron to a rookie coming in the league, you're a guy who's extremely conscious of everything. Um, and... I know you're conscious of rookies because we had a conversation. I came to uh, the finals games last year and I was telling you how much fucking money the Warriors owners were charging for tickets, which was ridiculous. ridiculous. And you actually said something to me, which was extremely, again, showed your level of consciousness, A, showed your heart of who you really are. And it just showed a depth in thinking that was honestly as many things as you've done on the court. Businessman, it was one of the most impressive things I've ever heard you say. You said, Mav, I agree. In fact, I was telling them, guys, to the ownership of the team, guys, you gotta think about the fact that there's players, because they make you guys pay for the tickets. There's players on this team who are second-round draft picks, which I used to be, and you were talking to the to the to the management of the of the club. Guys, those guys can't afford, this is the NBA finals. Of course they want to bring their family. They can't afford. 8 or 10 tickets. I don't even want to, you were saying to, about yourself, I don't even want to pay for them. That level of consciousness, I thought was one of the most impressive things I've ever heard you say on, out of all the smart things I've seen you done, you. basketball or non-basketball. But as it relates to that and Staly talking about LeBron and a rookie, and as it relates to money and things you do, now you like wine. You got a stylist, you got a chef. Two questions. Are you conscious of rookies who now enter your locker room and see you, Katie, Steph, Clay, you guys are all really rich guys doing things that they probably can't do. You guys probably pull up to practice in the newest cars, two, three different cars and drivers, but now you got rookies in the locker room. And then do you remember when you were a rookie, what it was like to like, is that pressure on you? Like, damn, the, the older guys got these cars and I should be driving this car and I need to get this. Is that, was that pressure on you as a rookie? And are you now paying attention to it and conscious of it, of what you do to the rookies coming to your locker
0: room? Absolutely. Um, I always try to have conversations with the rookies um, about all these things, about money, um, about where they're living. Hey, where are you looking at? Like, when they first come in, where are you looking to live? You know, making sure they're looking in a place where I know how much money they make. Everybody know how much money everybody in the NBA makes. Yep. Um, making sure they're looking somewhere that makes sense for them. Uh, make it, I always tell them, you know, you build relationships and you're in a position. I've been here now for four or five, this is my fifth year. You build these relationship, you're in a position to say, hey, don't go anywhere and just buy a car. I have a guy for you that's going to give you the best deal, that's go- not going to rip you off, not charge you the upcharge. You. He's going to charge you a good price, pretty much what he paid for the car, because it's more so. Based on a relationship with me, to just take care of you. He ain't trying to make a dollar off you. Exactly. And um, so I try to do all those things to help them out. I always, you know, try to. If you have a question about anything, um, about an agent, about financial guys, about anything, ask. And so I always um, try to be an open book with those guys. I always let them know. Um, Things that I may do now, I didn't have then. Uh, Where I live now, I didn't live before. The car I drive now, I didn't drive that then. I bought a used Range Rover. I actually bought my first car from Jared Jack when I first got in the league. The Range Rover that he had, I just bought it from him. And um, I actually didn't buy it from him. It was, I like took over the payment. Like he did me a favor. So I I try to let those guys know those things, Um, you know. And from that to, I was just telling Kevon Looney and Patrick McCall last night after the game. Uh they were like, Yeah, man, you I heard them talking. And I just overheard the conversation. Like you're going to practice, uh, you going we had optional practice today because of the groundbreaking. You're going to practice? And he was like, oh, what time you gonna go? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I said, Hey. Remember, they said optional practice. Not a day off. Yeah. It's a day off. You can take your day off, but anytime it says optional practice, nothing's optional for rookie. No, no, exactly. It's not optional for Get rookie. Get your ass in there. First couple of years, two, three years, you're there. Anything optional? Just, just it. mark. It's mandatory. For you. <laughs> <laughs> optional means mandatory. A- exactly. <laughs> and and they can't say it's mandatory for you, but it it's mandatory for you. And and it will be frowned upon if you're yeah. not there. And so just try to share all that stuff with them, from basketball to life, uh, lifestyle and help them see man you can't go by the same car kevin durant by that's also one of the reasons a lot of guys go broke yes that you are trying to keep up with everybody in the locker room but some guys in that locker room are in a completely different league when it comes to money and you have to understand that and you can still live a great life and enjoy your life but it can't be at the same scale as someone else so i try to help them understand that a
2: lot nothing you obviously from saginaw from akron which is basically the same place, habits of when we didn't have money, or when we were broke, that we now, even though you make $16 million a year, I'm sure there's still things that you do, or a thing that you do, that you just can't get out of your system. Like, you just can't stop doing it. Do you have one or two of those things?
0: Um, man, I got quite a few, but... <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> like, it's just, like, some things you just can't let You're go. never
2: going to
0: Number one, I don't care where I'm at. I'm always looking for a discount. <laughs> Like, I can be in Target. Like, I get your discount. Like, if it's a hundred dollars, can I get your discount? Like, I'd rather pay 77 than 105. Always,
2: no matter what the discount is. I'm asking for your discount. No matter what the thing is.
0: I want the discount.
2: Even if you're in this aisle and you go to walk a couple of aisles over.
0: You don't care. I want the discount. It just
2: makes you feel good.
0: Absolutely, so that, um, I, I use Danny Wi-Fi password on Delta. Danny. Silman, Your
2: financial advisor? Yes. So he is a, because he is on like, like a Go-Go. Yes. You use his, he, you stole his password?
0: I, so? I, I don't pay for my own password. I, you refuse to? I, I use his Wi-Fi password. Because you like, if he's got one, why is this? Why, why would I buy one? We're not on a plane at the same time. <laughs> so he has unlimited for the year. I use his password. There's no need for me to pay $59 a month. And he got the unlimited for the year. So I use his password on Delta. And I share Spotify passwords, <laughs> Netflix passwords, Pandora passwords. I share all that stuff. Like, there's no need for all of us to pay for the same thing and we could share passwords. Now, I hope no, they that don't. it's yeah. just. I hope they don't look at this interview and like change their, their <laughs> but I'm no, sharing the password.
2: This is the thing they all been going through. I told, I met with, um, forget when. Oh, I was with the guy from ESPN, and I told him for a while I used my cousin's, who makes a lot less money than me. I used his uh, password to watch. I was using. I wanted to watch three. My my little cousin played for Wichita, so their yep. games would be on the ESPN app. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. All I
0: right, I got. A, I got cousins. one more for you. So ESPN, you know how you click on some of the some of the things Insider. Um, yes, ESPN Insider. I still use. I I caught a video guys at Michigan State and use their inside <laughs> password. So you use Michigan State's inside Mich- password State right in- now?
2: Yes, I'm not paying for my
0: own password. Oh my
2: goodness, that's no point. They, they have to pay for it. They give it to you no problem. Yes, they don't ask Izzo or nothing. They just no. Give you- and so don't probably know the password. Of course the he He had him sign in. For yeah, one. but they have to like they got they have to buy that. So when you sign in to ESPN Insider, it doesn't say hello Draymond Green. It probably says hello Michigan State Men's Basketball Team. For a while,
0: um, I still learned the Beth name, who was the Who's secretary that? at for, Michigan State for years. So she she just hello, retired. Beth. Yes, <laughs> she just retired like a year ago. It says
2: hello Beth. And if ESPN is selling advertising against her demo, but it's really you read the yeah. articles. That's hilarious. Ah, and I read everything for free. <laughs> that's hilarious. There's no
0: point of paying for that's that stuff if someone already has it.
2: That's hilarious.
0: So, that's one of my things that I'm still Those guilty are, of. A few things. Keep them. You'll stay. You'll keep your money. That's the
2: plan. Joy, I appreciate you being on the Thank first you. conversation with me on Needing Dough. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. for
1: having me. That is gonna do it for this season of Needing Dough, the podcast presented by Uninterrupted and Chase. Make sure you keep it locked for season two, where we're coming with a brand new slate of conversations featuring all-star athletes with their minds on their money and their money on their minds. Until then, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. It's free, fast, and easy. Plus, it helps others find the show, and when season two drops, you'll be the first to know about it. Thanks again to our partners for this show, Chase. Head over to Chase.com to see what Chase has to offer. Our executive producers are myself, T.D. St. Matthew Daniel, and Ben Adair. And I'm Andrew Hawkins, a.k.a. Hawk, telling you what a wise man always told me. A penny saved is a penny earned.